right back. So this morning I did it again at the Hyatt Hotel, which by the way is one beautiful hotel. And it was a thank you uh, team for uh, putting my wife and I in that beautiful uh, suite. Uh, you know, when you when you rent out, not rent out, when you when you book a lot of rooms, you got leverage. Come on, somebody. And so, you know, when you fill that place over a vacant weekend like Easter, man, you got leverage with the, with the, uh, the management. And so we got to stay in a beautiful suite that was just uh, amazing. But all that to say, I came out this morning from my uh, beautiful room and and uh, walked into the lobby of the hotel, and I'm just like, well, Lord, here, I'm going to go for it. It's like, he's risen! You know, I just uh, shouted it out. A lady's coming my direction. She's like, mm, you know, she, yeah, you know. And, and so she didn't say anything. She didn't know what to say, and I kind of like that. Um, I, I like freaking people out. Amen, amen. And so, in a good way. Of course, I was smiling the whole time. Because the message is offensive without our help. Come on, amen. This message is offensive. The message of the cross is offensive to the world. You're not going to get a positive reaction to that symbol right there. It's just impossible. It's at, it's at odds with the world. That cross is at odds with this culture and our world, our system, uh, the world system that we live in. Uh, the Prince of Power of the Air hates that symbol. It's the greatest symbol of any system of faith in the world. But of course, as we heard this morning, Pastor Darrell, he is risen. And so I said that, and the lady kind of smiled. She just walked by. But a man behind her said, Happy Easter. So we, at least we got that. Amen. You know, we, we got a guy. He, he, you know, he, said, uh, he said, Happy Easter. And uh, I kept walking because I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Amen. I remember I was Jesus in an, in, a, in an Easter production when I was a youth pastor in Portland, Oregon. And I had to hang on the cross because nobody else wanted to wear the diaper. And so I, I did it. I was the one. And uh, I said to the Lord on Friday afternoon, I says, Lord, please be glorified through my life this Easter season. Lord, do what you want through me, I pray. And because uh, God refuses to work alone. He chooses to limit himself to human help which means you're in. If you're breathing, you're a candidate. God's looking for some help. Amen? And so I said, Lord, Lord, use me this Christmas or this uh, Easter season. And uh, the Lord spoke strictly, just into my spirit right there. He says, I want you to carry the cross through the streets of downtown Portland tonight. I says, Lord, let's talk about Christmas. I would much rather talk about babies in mangers, not adults with a cross on their back like Jesus had to carry. And so I knew it was the Lord. And I said to my Roman soldiers, guys, we're going to Pioneer Square tonight in downtown Portland, and I'm going to carry the cross. And this thing didn't have a little wheel on the bottom either. I had to drag that baby. And so this big cross, and I had the crown of thorns on my head, and I had the diaper still on, amen, and I had the robes and the and the stage blood and everything. And we loaded that cross in the back of a truck. I called up the television station in town, uh, KOIN. I called up KOIN and I said, Jesus Christ is going to be in Pioneer Square tonight at 11 p.m. Thank you. And I hung up. I really did that. I'm convinced the person on the other end of the line said, Jesus just called. 
We were expecting his call. It's Good Friday. And do you know that KOIN News was down there? We pulled that cross out. I put it on my shoulder. And we began to walk in that area of downtown Portland. People were looking at us, pointing at us. We had young people kind of making fun of us, which is not a good thing to do if I'm carrying the cross because I'll come for you. (laughs) And that's exactly what I did. I mean, and they're like, he's getting closer. He's getting closer. He's back. You know, you could feel that. And we took that cross and I stood it up and we began to preach the message of Jesus because I am not ashamed of the gospel. KOIN was there. We were on the 11 o'clock news later that night. Actually, we were there earlier, and then we were on the 11 o'clock news. I said, Jesus Christ is going to be in Pioneer Square tonight. And we were on, and I'll never forget, standing up for my Lord. And I'll tell you, folks, I am not ashamed, and I trust that you aren't either. As I said to the young people, this is going to sound a little youthy, but I says, when anybody asks me if I'm a Jesus freak, I tell them precisely. And then I say, and whose freak might you be? Because you see, everybody, come on, let's admit it. We are wired to be worshipers. And people worship something. They worship their reputation. People worship their fear. Other people worship their relationships that go beyond their priority of of the Lord. People worship. There's no such thing as not worshiping. We all worship. It's just what is the object of our worship. And our, the object of our worship is our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. So God bless you, congregation. What an, opportunity, what an awesome opportunity to be here in its Christian Life Church. I can see it on the modern stained glass. Come on, somebody. Amen. That is the stained glass of the postmodern generation. Okay, so we've got that settled. And um, um, now how many know I'm having fun up here right now all by myself? Amen, amen, amen. If you're not enjoying this, I'm visiting. Hallelujah. (laughs) You know what? I'm just visiting. And to be given this opportunity to speak to you this morning, I don't take lightly. Uh, It's Easter. This is a special day in the house of the Lord. And thank you, Pastor Darrell and the team for allowing me to address you this morning. Because it really is uh, an honor. I often don't get to minister in churches on Easter Sunday. And I preferably don't mind at all because I want the pastor of that flock to minister, but I've been asked to come. I remember years ago, I preached in, um, in, in Australia on Easter Sunday morning, went directly to the airport, got on an airplane, flew directly to LA and preached again on Easter Sunday morning because of the international dateline. I was able to literally preach it twice and it was really cool. Today, I'm going the opposite direction. I get to minister to you this morning, and then we get on an airplane, and I'm flying to the Philippines today, today. And we're taking Jesus at 12 to the Philippines in Thailand. And so I slept last night. I will not go to bed again till Tuesday. Come on, pray for me right now, amen. Because that is exactly when we land after we leave Los Angeles tonight at 10.30. So I just... uh, I'm excited about the next couple of days. Well, the Lord has a word for us this morning. The Lord has, the Lord has a word for Christian Life Church, and, and uh, I want you to receive this. And thank you, Ascension Convention uh, delegates, for allowing me to just let myself be who God has made me to be. Because I've discovered something. You're never more you than when you're totally into Him. 
People get the idea if you really take on Christ, you lose you. Well, how dumb would that be? How, 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 how bland would that be if we all lost who we are in terms of the redemptive element of our spirit and personality so that we take on Christ? When you take on Christ, he's not nervous. In Acts chapter 2, the whole place was on fire, but nothing was getting burnt. Because God doesn't burn people. He ignites them. Now, he'll burn your flesh, and you, you probably need to get in on that too. Your flesh deserves to be burnt. But your spirit, the real you, that person God has made with that unique ability to be who God has made you to be, that needs to shine. And maybe that's the word today for somebody in this house that thought, man, if I become a Christian, I have to just be like the other guy. And frankly, if you're like this naturally, keep it up. <laughs> Seriously, if your explanatory style is kind of quiet, we don't want to make you loud. Because it would not work. Thank God for every explanatory style. Thank God for every different personality. Because God ignites that. Because frankly, it's a slice of his. We've all been made in God's image. Amen. But none of us are the same. Amen. Which means we've yet to exhaust the slices of his personality. All made in his image. Yet none of us are the same. God must have personality. Amen. And so we receive that as a people. <clears throat> and you allowed me to be myself this weekend, and that's why God was able to use me. If I'm not having fun, God's not using me when I minister the Word of God. And so we had a great time. Those kids responded so well. They responded in, in, their, in, their, in their soul. They responded with their finances on that night when we received an offering, and, and the kids just responded with such convulsion so to speak a lot of them gave monday's lunch and sunday's offering and you know what god noticed because god notices stuff like the cross in all of our lives amen praise the lord father we love you today we thank you for this day that cannot be <clears throat> manufactured this day could not be made into a ritual alone lord it is a true story that in fact today is the day that you destroyed death and that the sting of death would be destroyed we know that ultimately death will be overcome lord when we wrap this thing up when you return again but lord you've taken the sting of death away and lord we thank you for the resurrection story and lord as we take just a few minutes to look into your word and what happened right after the resurrection i pray that we would receive revelation and insight into your word today in the name of jesus and everybody said amen <clears throat> i'm reading out of luke chapter 24 which is the story of the resurrection of jesus and i want to bring out some points here for us and then and then we'll be done and i'm reading out of new king james version verse one of revelation or of luke chapter 24 now on the first day of the week very early in the morning 
That would be today for us in, in terms of our celebration. They and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found that the stone was rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, isn't this powerful? Why do you seek the living among the dead? Can we just say those words? Why do you seek the living among the dead? God came to give us life, folks. And life more abundantly, amen? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he spoke to you that while he was still in Galilee, and these are in red, so these are the words of Jesus. Jesus said these words. The Son of Man must, and that is the message of Jesus at 12. Jesus at 12 said, I must be about my father's business. I looked up must in Greek. It means must. <laughs> Thank you. Let's move on. Sure beats a negative religious should. Should is religion. Must is relationship. All the way to the cross, Jesus said, I must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned to the tomb and told of all these things to the eleven and all the rest. Now, if you will, just go to verse 13 with me just for time. Listen. Now, behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. Because how many have discovered in life, things happen. Yeah, even if you're a Christian, things happen. And so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So here we have two men who have been acquainted with Christ, not the twelve, but these are followers of Jesus. And they're talking of what had just taken place. And in the midst of talking about it, Jesus himself appears with them. Of course, in his redeemed state, I would imagine. And so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself came. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And he said to this, what kind of conversation that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, this is really ironic, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Isn't that just, isn't that cool? I mean, here they are, walking with the man that has just been the central figure of what's taken place. And they cannot tell who they're talking to. Be encouraged. <laughs> Seriously, be encouraged. You can be this slow and saved. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> they don't know who they're talking to. Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things, again, which have happened here these days? And you'll discover that the word things is here at least seven times. And he said to them, and this is Jesus having fun with a couple of slow guys. Check this out. And he said to them, what things? <laughs> hey, let me tell you, when God's asking questions, he's not learning. <laughs> he's teaching. God has never asked anyone for information ever. The first question God asked humanity was, Adam, where art thou? Oh, it's a big world and the vegetation's thick. Come on. 
That wasn't it. It was more of a philosophical question. Adam, where are you, man? As if God doesn't know where you are. He's the first GPS there ever was. He is better than Garmin. He knows where you're at. He just wants you to say where you're at. Could you imagine if everybody just admitted where they were at? Then they could find out where they need to go. <laughs> just like a mall. How many hate those malls that don't have the you are here dot? How many do not appreciate malls that have signs without a you are here dot? It ticks me right off. You probably spent $1,000 on that sign. You could have gone to a 99 cent store and got a sticker and put you are here here. And I would know where I'm there there. But now I'm all messed up because I have no clue where I'm at. I'm sorry, I don't know what just came over me there. I have never preached that before <laughs> till I came to Christian life. Okay, here we go. Seriously, I don't know what just came over me, but it's so true. And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. You see, everybody wants redemption, but everyone wants it their way. I'm going to prove it. How many want to die? Okay, let me ask another question. How many want to go to heaven? Okay, you got to die. Thank you. Let's move on. Okay. That's about the only way to get there. Both physically and spiritually, you've got to die to yourself, your flesh, so that you can be with him. Amen? But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things have happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying, we have also seen a division of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us, went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. Then Jesus said this, listen, O foolish ones and slow of heart, not slow of head, slow of heart, to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter in his glory? And beginning at Moses, which would be Genesis, and all the prophets, Jesus expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, be encouraged again. You're walking with the man for up to seven miles. He's talking about himself constantly. It's one long Bible study. At the end of the seven miles, you still have no clue who you're talking to. Again, be encouraged. Then they drew near the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further because God's always like that. He always kind of wants to find out where you're at because he knows where he's at. So he's like, I don't know, I'll keep going. See how heavy, they, how hungry they are. That's how God treats all of us. He doesn't beg like some pathetic loser. Please, serve me. Love me. No. See where they're at. And as he kept walking, they finally caught on. He says, don't leave. We're constraining you. Stay with us. It is evening, and the day is far spent. So Jesus says, oh, I can work with this. Now I have something to work with. 
He went in to stay with them. This is just after his resurrection. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, verse 30, that he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened. This is what the Bible says. You've walked with him for seven miles. He's constantly talking about himself. You have no clue who you're talking to. Then he gets his hands on a loaf of bread, and you go, oh, this is Jesus. Powerful story. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and poof, he vanished from their sight. I threw the poof in there. It isn't in the original. How many know it's just when you got God figured out, he says, see, you wouldn't want to be you, and you're right back to a walk of faith again. Amen. Because right when you think you have God all figured out, he says, let's go to another level, and he disappears. At least he did here. So don't tell me he doesn't do that. He causes us to walk by faith. And they said to him, did not our hearts to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and he opened the scriptures to us? So they arose at that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord is risen indeed. That's where we get the phrase, though he is risen. He is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Now here's the key. And they told about the things which had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. May I submit to you, we will know God when we understand what he does with bread. He was known to them in the manner of the breaking of bread. You see, if you look in the New Testament, you will find that every time Jesus gets his hands on bread, he treats it the same way. In Luke chapter 22, we find the same, um, verses 15 to 19, we have those same phrases. 15 to 19, the Lord's speaking. And in verse 19, it says, And he took bread, gave thanks, or blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. You see, every time Jesus touches bread in the New Testament, he almost always seems to do four things to it every time. He takes it, he, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he gives it. So let's just take a look at that and see if our eyes might be opened to a whole new understanding of how God works with all of us. First of all, the Bible says he, he took it because this is something I know about God. He's a tooker. No, seriously, bad English, but he loves to took. When did you get took? I hope you got took. I hope you're not sitting here and, and, and you can't remember when you got taken by the Lord. Maybe that's why we're called people who are born again. Because we really know the difference between before Christ and after. Because how many know the world of a child is much different before birth than after? I got took when I was six. And this has been my walk with God ever since. I don't know how you get around, but this is how I get around. He's a tooker. And he doesn't ask. He just goes around taking. 
not negatively. And I'm going to show to you that God takes. Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1 says, Before I, you were born, I sank... Well, I'm going to just turn to it. You can just listen. Jeremiah, or turn there if you, if you so desire. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. It's right there, probably about two-thirds or a third of the way through. Listen to these words, verse, chapter 1, verse 4. Tell me if this is fair. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. It gets more specific. Before you were born, I sanctified you. It gets even more specific. I ordained you, a prophet to the nation. Okay, you're not even here yet. But you've been known, sanctified, and been to an ordination service. But you're not breathing air. How do you resist God when you don't even have a mouth? Before Jeremiah was born, he was already known, sanctified, and ordained. Doesn't sound like God asked. But when you're God, anything you do is loving and just. I tell young people all the time, the will of God is what you want. You're just a little slow. Maybe. I love uh, Jeremiah's response to being ordained and called before he was born. I love it. It's, the, it's, it's verse 6. Ah! It's exactly what it is. A-H. Oh, Lord God. Behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. And the Lord said, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. So here's the word of the Lord. He goes around taking. And if you do not know what it's like to be taken by the Lord, then... Maybe that's why you can't see him. He's right here. Where's God? Well, you got to get took. He tries to quit in chapter 20. Jeremiah, he tries to quit. He says, oh, Lord God, you induced me. And I was persuaded. For you were stronger than I, and you have prevailed. And then Jeremiah says in chapter 20, I will not make mention of you. Or speak any more in your name. I'm done. And I'm not asking. I'm telling you I'm done. You didn't ask me before I was born. And I'm not asking you now. But. His word was in me. Shut up in my bones like a fire. And I could not hold it back. Jeremiah tries to quit. And he couldn't. You know why? Because God loves take. But he doesn't take negatively. Because when God takes you, you never feel took. How many here have been taken? Well, I wish it would stop there, that God just took me, but it continues. The Bible says that whatever he takes, are you ready? Here we go. He blesses. Blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when we come and when we go. Oh, whatever God takes, 
He blesses. Don't put a question mark there. Don't go, if I give my life to God, I, 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 he'll send me to Africa. He might send you to Africa. Because Africa is where you want to go. Thank you. Because the will of God is what you want. You're just maybe a little flesh driven and you need to just find who you really are. Because God puts people where they fit. Your flesh won't fit wherever God puts you. You'll have to deal with your flesh anyway. The call on my life is young people. Whatever the shape of your heart is where you're supposed to be. That's why my heart is shaped like that. Amen. No, seriously, if God's called you to Africa, and I mean there are times when God will actually call people geographically, that in fact your heart is in the shape of, of that place. Because whatever he takes, he blesses. He took David from the sheepfolds. It says in Psalm 78 that he took him from the sheepfolds. And guess what happened? David was blessed. He was blessed with vision. And he took on Goliath. He looked at Goliath and he said, nothing has entered your mind like this before. Some of you know your Bibles. Some of you have no clue kidding. Nothing had entered Goliath's mind. The stone went right into his forehead. He fell on the ground and David was blessed. Some would say, well, that wasn't a blessing. Oh, yes it was. David was blessed with vision. He was blessed with purpose. Moses was blessed with the call of God to redeem the people of Israel. We know that Moses got took. He was a basket case at the time. You know the story. <laughs> he was pulled from the bulrushes. They put him in the Nile River in a basket case. He was pulled. Moses' name means drawn forth. God takes. How many right now could testify over how God took you? Maybe he took you from here to there. He took you out of that relationship. He took you into another one. Whatever it may be, you just were open to the Lord and he, he took you. Amen? But I'm going to tell you right now, whatever he takes, he blesses. The lines have fallen in pleasant places. Young people, listen to me. Whatever he takes, he blesses. If he can really get his hands on you, he'll bless you. But you know what a lot of people say? Bless me, bless me. Bless me, bless me. Bless me, almighty God. And God says, if I could get my hands on you. Pretty hard to bless what you can't get your hands on. How are you supposed to be blessed, but he can't get his hands on you? When I was 14, God told me, go into my bedroom and turn it into a Bible college. My parents were going through horribleness. My parents were divorced when I was 16. The screaming and the yelling in our home was atrocious. I was the elder brother, the only son. 
And I thought, I have a choice. I can go to the garage and make a pipe bomb. And become a victim. Or I can go into my bedroom and turn it into a Bible college. And so I went into my bedroom and I found God. Every day for two hours, I stayed there. For a two and a half year period. That's why I'm like this now. I got took. Some of you are going, man, I don't know if I believe this message. Well, then you don't know where Jesus is. Maybe. Because he's got you. God, has you ever been? You may be took in the area of morality, but you have not been taken in the area of your reason. And you refuse to give God 10. God, you're not getting 10%. Who do you think you are? Nothing is the least money I've ever given to God. It's like giving away your sister's sweater. <laughs> it's not yours. I realized that when I was a kid in my single digits. And I'm going to tell you right now, whatever God takes, he blesses. Boy, wouldn't it be great to just stop there and go, he took me, he blessed me, he took me, and we could just dance to the buffet. He took me, he blessed me, he took me, he blessed me, he took me, he blessed me. And if we get out now, we'll beat the Baptist. Come on, amen. Well, he took me, he blessed me, he blessed me. But that's not the whole revelation. That's not the whole story on bread. Because whatever he takes, he blesses. But I have to continue, and we're getting almost done. He says, he says whatever he takes, he blesses, and... Whatever he blesses, it's right there. He, he breaks. Not with cancer. No, I, I think he breaks you with what he blessed you with. Come on, somebody. He breaks you or he blesses you. Are you ready? Oh, here we go. He blesses you with a wedding day. He breaks you with a marriage. Am I telling the truth or what? I am serious. <laughs> God, listen, and this is going to, you know, and this is not being irreverent or anything, but God blesses you with intimacy. He breaks you with a child. <laughs> if you wouldn't have got so blessed, I guess you wouldn't be having to change diapers, but you had to go get yourself blessed. No, seriously, think about it. You see, God's breaking is never unredemptive. It's always a redemptive breaking. He blesses you with a child. He breaks you with a child. He blesses you with a marriage. He breaks you with a marriage. He blesses you with a church. He, he breaks you with a body. He blesses you with ascension convention. And he breaks you with always having to hear about it on Easter Sunday morning. Doggone it, man. If you went to another church, you wouldn't have to hear about what God's doing with youth. But you had to come here. God blesses you with a house. He breaks you with a mortgage. And Obama's trying to get you out of that. But you know what I'm saying. Okay, he, he bread blesses you. He blesses you with, with a lottery win. And he breaks you with relatives you never knew you had. Come on, amen. Now that's going a little far there, okay? I'm sorry, I didn't mean that one. God blesses you with romance. 
He breaks you with covenant. Come on, that's the only reason we would have gotten married in the first place. God had enough nerve to create romance to trick us into covenant. Come on, somebody. I mean, who would ever give your life away unless you were all googly-eyed about it when it all happened? I do, I do. Hey, man, you're awesome. Ten years later, you're like, well, I said I do, and I'm going to stick with it because whatever God blesses, he breaks. Whew, I wouldn't mind getting the CD, figure out what I said. Amen. <laughs> I'm serious. And with this, we close. The Bible says he took it, he blessed it, he broke it. And then this is what it says. You may want to turn to Matthew chapter 14, because this is where we read again how Jesus took, blessed, and broke. It's the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat, verse 13, to a deserted place by himself. Sounds like bedroom Bible college to me. Deserted place by himself. Sounds like Bible college to me. Sounds like desert duty. Kind of like God saying, come on, spend some time with me alone. Deserted place by himself. You're never alone when you're by yourself, by the way. Did you know that? You're never alone because, because the Lord is there. So you're never alone by yourself. But he wants you by yourself, so there's only two of you. Because whenever you and him get alone together, someone ends up being changed. And he refuses. He just stays the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is ready, and they're, they're going to feed the 5,000. Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Again, the Lord is just teaching edge on his disciples. He's teaching them to have edge. Take chances. Quit taking care all the time. Feed these people. And they said to him, we only have five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and he, and you might as well say the word. What is it? It's right there in your Bible. And he took, let's say took, and he took, amen. Let's say it one more time. And he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed. See, it's here again. And broke. And then, and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled and they took up 12, I love the number 12, 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Scholars say there's 25 to 30,000 people here. Oh, I could understand this miracle if there was only 5,000 men. It's amazing the reasoning people come up with. Just like the Red Sea. Oh, it was only six inches deep when those Egyptians drowned. Well, it would take more of a miracle to drown an army in six inches of water. Watch this. Five loaves. Oh, but they were big loaves. Again, get over it. Five loaves, two fish, 5,000 men besides women and children, 25 to 30,000 people. Watch this. 
There's only one comment for this scenario, and here it is. How did that happen? <laughs> How did that happen? We started with this, ended with that. You know what I want my tombstone to say? How did that happen? <laughs> Come on, is there anybody in the house that wouldn't mind a... How did that happen? Does anybody need a miracle? Does anybody need a look what the Lord has done? I hope your Christian life is not explainable. I hope that your life isn't that predictable that we know you were just good. Your Christian life is defined by how nice you are at long red lights. That that's the apex of your Christianity. Well, I'm really gracious. But you've never seen you need a miracle. You need a miracle. I need a miracle. Now, you may be in a, a state of need physically, and you need a miracle. You may be in a state of deficit relationally. It could be a marriage issue or a family issue. You know what you need? A miracle. You may be out of a job, and you're, you're just like, what? You need a miracle. You need a, how did that happen? You may be single and you're thinking, Lord, you have someone for me out there. I believe that. You need a miracle. You need a, how did that happen? It happened to me. Two thousand years ago, Jesus died on a cross. When he was 12, he got took. When he was 12, he said, I must be about my father's business. That's a tweener that got took. It's an almost teenager who was took. How many know between 12 and 30, he was blessed? You know he is blessed. Because when he came on the scene... He was something else. But I guess he was a little too blessed. Because when you get that blessed, you attract demons and religious pharisaical spirits that say, he's too popular. He's messing up our religious system. Let's kill him. Guess if you weren't so blessed, you wouldn't have been so broke. But the devil's dumb sometimes. He's not dumb. He's smarter than a lot of us, I guess. But I don't want to make light of the devil. But come on, devil. Don't you know that is the universal sign of the only answer to kill death is to die. And so at 33, he was broke. 
And this morning, he has been given. And millions upon millions and millions of millions of people this morning are singing up from the grave he arose. And when the women got to the tomb, they probably said, how did that happen? <laughs> the stone's been rolled away. How did that happen? And Jesus is being received. In the Catholic tradition, they actually believe it's his literal body. In the Protestant tradition, we believe it's from the IGA. Who cares? That's not the issue. The issue is he's being given. And we're receiving his strength. And people are coming to him today because Jesus is the bread. That's what the Bible says. He didn't just handle bread. He was bread and is bread handling bread. Because God would never ask us to be took, blessed, broken, and given unless he also was took, blessed, broken, and given. Oh, well, the Lord is in this place. Let's bow our heads. Father, Lord, we just love you. We love your ways. Oh, your ways are beyond our ways. And your, your ways are higher than our ways. And Lord, we would assume that if we were ever to be taken, we would get lost. But in fact, when we're taken, we're found. We're blessed. Oh, there is a breaking, Lord, but it's always a redemptive kind of breaking. You never break to destroy. You break to redeem. The devil would come to steal, kill, and destroy, but whatever you break and is breakable, moldable in your hands, becomes redeemed. And then you distribute us, Lord, beyond our understanding. Our influence can go beyond our own understanding. If you're here this morning and you're saying, man, I, I just, the Lord has been speaking to me this Easter Sunday, 2010, and I need a head of that happen in some area of your life, just raise your hand to the Lord right now. You need a, how did that happen to happen? Could be relationally, could be emotionally, physically, spiritually, whatever it may be, just raise your hand to Jesus. Keep it up if you would. Father, as you see these hands, Lord, of your precious people that are signifying the desire for a miracle. Lord, I know that that will require of us that we be taken so that you can do something with us. Take us, Lord. Bless and break and, and do something we could never do on our own. We love you, Jesus. Now you can just put your hands down. If you're here today, and as our heads are bowed, and you're like, man, I'll have to tell you right now, I came to church, but I've never met Christ. 
coming into a church building does not make you a Christ follower. Meeting Jesus does. If you're here today and you feel like you've come to church but you've never really met Jesus head on, straight, personally, one-on-one, I want to pray for you. And you're the person whose heart's kind of pounding right now and you're going, that's me, I need Jesus. If that's you, Everybody does it different, I'm a guest, so I'll just minister in the way that the Lord has often used me, and, and I give you a point of response. I'm just going to, I'm going to just count to three, and when I get to three, just, would you just raise your hand, and my eyes will meet your eyes, and we'll agree right now, right where you're at. And Christ will come into your life today. If that's you, you need to be taken, took, but you'll never feel took, you'll feel blessed. If that's you at the count of three, just raise your hand. I know we're a gathering of believers, but there's probably somebody here that would say, I would love the opportunity to confess him in this gathering this morning. One, two, don't be afraid. Three, raise your hand. Is there anybody? Yeah, I know. Is there anybody? Is there anybody else? Just raise your hand so I can see it. I agree with you, girl. Today's a new day. And I want all of us to just pray with this young lady and others who may have responded to, and I just, I, there's a few hands up, but they're not off of highways, and so I'm thinking maybe you're a believer. And, but would you just repeat with me, congregation, especially this young lady. Lord Jesus, I come. Take me. Cleanse me. Forgive me of my sin through your shed blood today I receive your redemption through your shed blood I want to get taken Father you've just heard this simple confession and I pray the confession becomes a possession in the name of Jesus In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Could we just give the Lord a hand right now? Hallelujah! He is risen! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Pastor Dell is coming in a moment.